From Edge Radio 99.3 FM, this is an edit of The Dice Men Cometh, the podcast. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Absolutely Not, episode 278, and Absolutely Not, the Edge Radio Studios. I am, as always, though, your friendly neighbourhood, Leon, and I am here in Dice Men Cometh Towers, or my own house with my pretty wife and fun time cats, because there was no episode this week. Basically, you know, life got in the way. I had to do my night shift, as is my want. Marky Boy was finally moving. After all these years, he'll be closer to civilization so we can play games even more. And Garth, well, he was just a bit scared to do an episode all by himself. So we thought, well, we'll have to pull the plug. We can't do an episode this week. But... We can't let down the people. We can't let down the fans because we're just that kind of special. So what we thought, well, what are we going to do? The other guy said, well, we'll just don't put out an episode this week. And I said, nay, because that's old timey speak and they're old, so they understood. So I thought what we should do, show itself has grown in leaps and bounds over the last few years. Mainly leaps, not necessarily bounds. But in terms of listenership around the world, it has grown quite significantly. So I thought... What I would do was I'd throw together some bits of previous episodes. I don't expect everyone's gone back and listened to the entire five-year back catalogue. If you have, welcome and thank you very, very much. But if not, I thought I'd throw together a few little certain bits that I had in mind. And what that was, was the first appearance of all of us and also the final episode of uh, Fallen Dice Men, Dice Men Trent. He hasn't fallen anywhere, he's just at his house, we see him quite regularly, and he's doing pretty well, he says hello. So I thought I'd chuck them all together, just for, you know, for a fun history's sake. And you know, if anything has taught us anything, in terms of media in the last few years, is nostalgia absolutely sells. So I expect this to be a rip-roaring success of an episode. So, what you're going to hear is several excerpts from many, many years ago. Uh, The first one being from episode one, because obviously that is Mark and Trent's first appearance because they started the thing and then you'll hear from about a year later when a young Mr. Garth filled in and then about six months later when a young Mr. Leon came in and then it just absolutely snowballed from there and yeah I will come back at the end of the episode and say another thank you but enjoy this trip down memory lane and I will see you at the end. Trent and Mark here on The Dice Men Cometh, our very first show, and uh, look, we thought we might take a little bit of time to just explain uh, who we are, what exactly Dice Men are, why we're com- comething, <laughs> and what we're doing here. Uh, basically, we're talking about board and card games uh, here in Hobart, specifically, because we're part of the, the local uh, Hobart gaming scene, the local Hobart gaming club, the uh, Hobart Gaming Society, aka Hogs. But I guess might, maybe people are wondering why board and card games are even important these days, Mark. Trent, why are board and card games really important <laughs> these days? Well, I'm glad you asked. Sales of board and card games over the last 10 to 15 years have been going up by around about 20% every year, Wow, more or less. So it, it's a really growing industry. I mean, it's still very, very niche, but sales just going up and up and up and up. And the amount of titles that come out, Every year, have you got any idea well, the numbers of games that are being released every year around the world? Uh, look, I, I couldn't quote a number, but I know it. You know, the big game shows they will have literally hundreds of releases, and we're talking. You know, there is the biggest game show of all, which is Essen in Germany, the biggest game convention in the world. Uh, they will have hundreds of titles that were released at that show. Something let alone, like 800 at the last one a couple of weeks ago. That's yeah. exactly right. And let alone then um, some of our listeners may have heard of Gen Con, a big gaming convention, not just for board and card games, but for uh, other tabletop games, role-playing games, things like that that's in America. That's the big one in the States, yeah. That's right, in Indianapolis. And again, they're releasing hundreds of titles. So you're literally there. Between those two, you're looking at maybe a 1,000 titles released a year. Now, a lot of those will be small print runs, will go out of print really quickly, but there's some big titles and some big names there. Yeah, and we're not talking about Monopoly or Cluedo here. We want to make that absolutely clear. These are board board games, but this is going above and beyond what uh, a lot of people would have played with their families in the 70s and 80s. So what sort of things are we doing in these in these games? Yeah, well, in, in these games, to me always, one of the key things is... These games are about fun. And if you take the example of Monopoly, like Monopoly can be fun for about half an hour. (laughs) The problem is usually that the game goes for about three hours. So what are you doing in that last two and a half hours? You're pulling your hair out going, 
when is this thing going to end? Being ground down slowly into dust yeah. by one member of the family. I, I don't know anyone who played uh, Monopoly when, when they were kids who didn't at some point have some kind of screaming match with their brother or sister and flip the board up and just storm out of the room. Yeah, look, and I guess with these games, we're trying to avoid the table flip. That's the key thing. We want everyone to have fun. We want everyone to be engaged. Um, and it's giving a really great social experience. And I know... Both of us, you know, we're really into the social scene. We talk. We may have an adult beverage or two while we play the games. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a social lubrication. And, and there, look, there's all sorts of games to play as well and all sorts of crazy themes. You know, you're not just not just moving around a board buying up property or making money. You might be saving the world from deadly pandemics mm. or defending a city against an invasion, fighting off giant monsters trying to build civilizations or conquer new territories or invade different planets. You might be launching a career in piracy in some of the games, uh, trading gold and spices in the ancient world or in the Mediterranean. Or in one case, one game that you and I played, uh, Mark, uh, earlier in the year at a convention we went to, queuing for food in <laughs> communist Poland. That, that, was, was, that was an interesting experience. That was absolutely a cracker. And if you had said to me, that I will be falling around the room laughing, playing a game about queuing for table lamps and tea bags in <laughs> communist Poland. You know, I would have punched you in the eye. But it was hilarious. We had a ball. All the best Russian accent come out saying, excuse me, lady, can I please get in front of you? It's an excuse for a lot of fun. It really is. Now, with the games we're talking about, they come in two, in two broad categories. There's your Euro game. Can you explain what a Euro game is quickly? Yeah, so Euro game is very... Um I guess mechanical in the terms of it that you do stuff and you do stuff to get stuff. Often you are doing things that are going to give you victory points and many of the Euro games have cubes, little wooden cubes that represent various things. Some of them represent people, some of them represent resources. Um, often these games can be called cube pushers for that reason. Mm. And so you often it's you're building an economic engine to get resources, to turn the resources into victory points and ultimately to win the game. And with Euro games generally, there's no player elimination. So no one gets kicked out, no one gets killed. It's all very nice and... Usually there's a very defined endpoint, whether it's a number of turns or when something runs out, but there's usually a very defined endpoint in those games. And if that sounds really boring, you're not alone, because <laughs> that's my basic opinion of most Euro games. The alternative, the other school of thought, is what's called a merry trash. Now, these are the games with all the bells and whistles, the over-designed boards, and it's usually got a, a lot of direct conflict mano a mano on it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, most Ameritrash games have the fabulous thing that we love about games. It's in our name. It's the dice. Yeah, and yeah. It, it brings in that random element where you've done everything you can. You've lined up all your ducks in a row. You're going to wipe out your opponent and you throw the dice and wham, snake's eyes. So there you go. There's a little bit about board and card games, although I suppose we've even talked about card games just, just yet. But uh, look, we're going to be talking uh, more, obviously, up to uh, 8 o'clock. We're also going to be sort of getting into some of the nitty-gritty uh, you know, behind the scenes about why games cost so much because it's not necessarily a cheap hobby mm. and particularly if you're living in Australia, particularly if you're living here in Tasmania, we're going to be talking about exactly why that is in a little while here on Edge Radio 99.3. The Dice Man Cometh, our first show tonight. Uh, we'll be back in just a second. Is that how you pronounce that? Three Trenton Mark, the Dice Men Cometh, our first show tonight on this, the brand new season of Edge Radio, uh, getting set for summer. Now, Trent, I want to uh, address the elephant in the room. The what? The elephant in the room. Hang on, excuse me. Excuse me. No, no, no. I was making not a comment I, about your size. I've, no, I've been working quite, <laughs> quite hard on my weight. Thank you very no, much. No, no. Hmm. Our name, the Dice Man Cometh. Now, yeah. people have been commenting about it on Facebook. Well, can I? We ran a little bit of a competition. Uh, just amongst the uh, the members of the Hobart Game Society about what we should actually call our <laughs> call our show, and I think we came up with it was going to be it was going to be of Dyson Men. Yes. At one at one point. Some classic. I wanted book. to I wanted to call it. I just I just diced in your arms tonight. But <laughs> I couldn't get anyone to agree to that. <laughs> you out there, I'm sure, will come up with much better names than we ever could. But one of the things is, and it's been raised by our 
I don't like to call them fans, people who who bother to tune in um, or communicate with us. Yes, is obviously people, about we have, people we have to convince. <laughs> That's yes. right. Um, those, those grammar Nazis out there that, of course, Gummoth, uh, Gummoth, Gummoth is the archaic third-person singular present tense suffix. <laughs> and clearly, there is two of us. But I ask you, who is going to tune in and listen to the Dice Men Come? <laughs> I'm not going near that one. Uh This is Richard from Melbourne, and I want to thank Mark, Garth, and Leon for their time at BorderCon and reminding me exactly why I support the Dice Men Cometh from a different city. The Dice Men Cometh! This is the radio show for anyone who's ever tried to convince their partner to pretend to be an elf and kill some orcs. Come on, it'll be fun, honey! The guy's around... <laughs> You can join in, kill some orcs. You don't have to dress up. Good luck with that. This is a show called The Dice Men Cometh uh, on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Normally with Trent and Mark, I'm one half of that equation. Mark is... um, He's AWOL. Well, where is he? I don't know. Some school holidays, children. uh, I don't know. So we've enlisted my very good friend and brother-in-law, get this, Garth... To come in and help us out tonight, Garth, uh, what capacity do you normally assist the Dice Men in? Well, look, normally I, I like to think of myself as an executive vice producer, <laughs> uh, which really means, you know, trying to get an interview here and there lined up for you guys, making sure that you sound like you know what you're talking about, and uh, putting the occasional post on Twitter, Facebook now, and uh, generally just playing games with you guys. Yes. It's great fun. Good luck with getting us to sound like we know what we're talking about. Mm. Uh, what are we talking about tonight? Well, this week, like always, we're going to have an amazing show. Um, I make sure of that, you know. As we talk nerdy, mm. oh, talk nerdy to me, baby. Wow. On Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Trent and Garth tonight. Garth, our uh, special guest host, while uh, Mark is A W O L. Exactly right. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Trent, you had uh, someone who you'd never met before, I understand. <laughs> uh, someone called Kyle, who is, uh, you know, currently under the services of Good Games in, in Hobart yes, here. Yes. Now, he came in. And all he wanted to do was have a chat about miniatures gaming, and all he found was a wall of ignorance. <laughs> you know, he came in here expecting a, an intelligent conversation, and, and he just, you know, I think he, he found it lacking. How is it that your description of this situation is simultaneously unfair and completely accurate? Well, it's just part of my wonderful talent. Thank you. As the executive vice producer. <laughs> now, Trent, you manned up, mm, and you mm. have now gone over to the dark side, as, yep. as we mentioned initially at the start of the show, and you've dipped your toe a very hairy toe, into the, the manly pursuit of miniatures gaming. So what did you discover when you went and uh, had an experience like no other? Yes, the uh, first instalment here of uh, 40K for 40-plus 40 uh, people. Uh, look, I, um, I accepted Kyle's invitation to uh, try a bit of uh, tabletop miniatures. I felt a bit nervous, mm-hmm. a bit scared, a bit trepidatious, mm. primarily that I was going to get dollars sucked out of me <laughs> straight away. Um, and and look, to, to not to make light of it, there is this weird schism in, in the nerd gaming world between miniatures gamers who play with the little uh, painted soldiers and basically everybody else. Exactly. No, that, no that, that's, that's not entirely correct. But, and so I'm just going to talk about my, my first sort of experience in, in playing in, in this hobby. And so when I talk about this, I'm going to get things wrong. Okay, mm. I'll, I'll just I'll explain that. Well, there is a first for everything, isn't there? Thank you. Uh, Bring bring Mark back. He's much, he's much easier to deal with. This is like a dummy's guide to to miniatures gaming for those who've never actually tried it out before. So, look, first up, I, I think the thing you've got to acknowledge with uh, Warhammer, which is what I, what I played, is is that um, th- this thing's been around for years. I mean, yeah. Warhammer Fantasy started in 1983. Wow. And uh, Warhammer 40k, which is the sci-fi version in 1987. Mm-hmm. So. Props to that. This thing's been an ongoing property, and there's, you know, not that many uh, properties that have that kind of longevity. No, in I them. think it's a it's a testament to obviously, you know, 
having a great idea for gaming. Yep. Um, obviously, great marketability and making sure that it appeals to you know the demographic that it's trying to achieve. To and to constantly get. being able to bring in new players through yeah. all of that because obviously you're growing up and growing and growing out of this stuff. Although, as we've been mentioning over the past few shows, Games Workshop, the company that develops all this stuff, is supposedly in some kind of financial strife. Yeah, exactly. At the at the moment, so. Um, 40K is now in its seventh edition, and I played with something called Dark Vengeance. Whoa. Uh, because, of course, in case it's not clear, this is all very grim and horrible. And um, I think the tagline is In the future, there is only war. So, uh, it, it, Dark Vengeance is the name they give to their starter set. <laughs> so, it sounds nice and welcoming, it do, does, doesn't yeah. it? So, this was Dark Angels, who are. Guys in like massive Iron Man mech suits uh, versus <laughs> the Chaos Space Marines, who are, I think, the same guys as the Dark Angels, but yep. fallen over to some kind of evil elder god or I something. Yep. Uh, There's a little bit of a supernatural element in there. Um, one of the figurines I had in this in this game was called a Hell Brute. <laughs> And I think the idea is is that there's a guy trapped inside this giant suit of armor, but he's just like chained up in there. It's really horrible. Oh, <laughs> sounds sounds tough. It's like it's like a big um, heavy metal album cover. Come come to come to life. Actually, what it reminds me of it, it, the heavy metal comic from from the the seventies. You, you know, in in France, I think it was. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I know all about that. One. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, the the art of, of people like Mobius or uh, Jodorowsky and titles like Meta Barons and 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 the Incarl. If you know those, this is the sort of artwork that we're that we're dealing with. So, how do you actually play? All right, so. Uh, you're playing on a, on, a, on a, I think it's a six foot foot by four foot. There's a, there's a standard size table. There's usually some kind of terrain on there, or it looks like a glorified train set. Yeah, but it's a castle or a battlefield, or yep. you know, some epic landscape. We had some ruins and some craters. Uh, you are moving your your soldiers in in units. So there's a group of four or five of them. I think there's some rules around what size the units can be. I'd imagine there would be. But but the idea is is, is that the movement's generalised, so you're measuring it with a tape measure in inches. It's Mm -hmm. an American game. Uh, Actually, no, it's not an American game. It's an English game. I apologise. And uh, the idea is that each miniature can only be within a certain distance of each other, so you've got to move the units as a whole. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the first thing you do. Then there's the shooting part of it. Sometimes you might have a special gun where you get you can only get to shoot if you don't move. If you've got a big like plasma cannon thing or something. Yep. So the heavy artillery kind of thing. Exactly. Just, yep, yep. Can't move. Uh, then, uh, then there's the assault phase, which uh, is basically where you charge at, at, at each other. Uh, and, and if you can close that distance, then it's just all in. All the yep. bases of all the miniatures are touching each other, and then it's just full on combat. One thing I will say about this this hobby is that you get to roll a truckload of dice. <laughs> Which we love. Heaps of dice. Yes. Just lots and lots of D6s. It's three rolls just to friggin' hit anything. <laughs> so, Hopefully. So, you, so you're rolling, uh, I think, to hit something and then maybe uh, the weapon strength, I think. It, and then there's the, they get an armor saving throw, maybe. Wow. So there's yeah, this is complicated game. Three hoops to jump through. And of course, it's all based on these charts and... Uh, luckily, Kyle's got all this stuff friggin' memorized. Excellent. Like he's just reeling it off. Oh yeah, that's a plus three. That's a plus four to 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 hit that. And I'm like, okay, whatever you mm-hmm. say. Uh, and big big rule books. In fact, the latest version, the seventh edition of of, of Warhammer 40k, is three rule books. <laughs> Actually, no, wait, that's not quite right. You, you buy it in a bundle. One of them is the rule book. They're all these glossy hardcovers. One's the rule book. One's the back matter, the flavor text. So the story of this wow. universe. And the third book is just all painting. Yep. Right. It's just, just all the color schemes and, and uh, you know, displays. And it's like a coffee table book for, for painting, <laughs> painting geeks. Uh, look, some of the other rules that are involved, there's there's line of sight where you actually have to crouch down onto the table to look to see if your miniature can see through that window where my guy is hiding. Yeah, well, that's taking advantage of the 3D terrain. I think I that's, did a, that's a good mechanic. I did a fair bit of hiding in the terrain. I'm not, <laughs> not too proud to admit. Uh, and there's a great, a really great um, little mechanic called the scatter dice. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if you're blowing something up, you don't know where all the crap's going to fly. So you literally roll a dice with arrows on it. 
and it just <laughs> it's a, I mean it's so obvious that you know you wouldn't actually you actually think of it so it's yeah. a fantastic little idea and something that could be incorporated into all sorts of board games like Descent or mm. almost anything with, with miniatures um, I got creamed yes well I would I dare say that this is a whole new avenue of gaming for you to Let's lose dis- in well yes. yeah to lose in I mean you've, you've already covered your, your normal tabletop gaming let's take that uh, history into wargaming and, and miniatures thank gaming thank you thank you would I recommend that people get involved good in this good question um, look look, I would but I, I guess it's a, a similar sort of caveat to the collectible card gaming hobby I think that the game comes down to 45% preparation so building your army depending on how many points you've got to, to take into it 45% of it is then targeting, so on the table, who's shooting at who. Yeah. And that means knowing the stats of every single miniature. Yeah, yours and all your opponents, of course. Wherever possible. And mm. then the remaining 10% is just down to the luck. Sure, rolls uh, to the dice. Exactly. Um, but I it's guess a, is it fun, you yeah, know? Yeah, look, yeah. it is. I, I had a blast and, mm. I, and I'd love to play again. One thing, there's a, there's a different... Because there's... Warhammer 40k is just one system. There's lots of different miniatures games, and there's a, a, a style of play called skirmish play, yeah. where you don't have quite as many miniatures on the board. And uh, Malifaux, that that Mark was interested in, which is kind of like this weird West thing with all these monsters coming up out of the the Louisiana Bayou or this you know supernatural gators and and stuff. Uh, that that's a skirmish game. So you've only got like maybe half as many miniatures on the table and each one can actually move individually. Okay. So it becomes more chess-like and a bit more tactical. Mm-hmm. But again, it's just the miniatures that you bring to the table on the on the day and, uh, I mean, the painting... Well, that's, it, a, that's an art form, isn't it? it you know, it, 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 to- it totally people is. People will actually pay money to get these professionally painted or by, you know, by people who are just incredibly talented at this art form. But it, look, it's a really... There's a lot going on here to, to like, and I can totally see the appeal. The The limitations are time and and money. Uh, and, um, I mean, look, if I was 13, mm-hmm. again, right? And not just mentally. <laughs> Cast your mind back again, Trent. And if I, had, if I had divorced parents who were trying to give me as much money as possible in order to demonstrate how much they love me more than the other parent, yes. I would totally be spending all that money on, War- <laughs> on Warhammer, <laughs> for sure, Ab- absolutely. And yes. just sitting in my room painting going, nobody loves me. Oh, but all you've done now is you've gone out and bought half a dozen decks for Netrunner instead. Well... Yes. <laughs> so as a fully grown, independently wealthy male, you've just chosen to, to invest the money in another pursuit. There's only so many rabbit holes one has time to go, to go down, <laughs> I, I, I think. Um, so anyway, look, what, the big thing I want to do with, wanted to do with this was just get some idea of what actually goes into a game like this and uh, just put pay to the schism that's there. And I, th- I think there, there is the schism there, but I think it's primarily one of age. Mm. So you've got old wankers like me uh, and basically everybody else, because there's oh. there's a real game here. And and look, if you do want to check it out, Kyle's there at Good Games, and on Tuesday nights they're having a, um, a, a like a newbies oh fantastic session, so you can go in and, and check it out. And I'll, I'll probably I'll probably go back at some point. Yeah, excellent. And there's a couple of photos up on the Facebook page that show you in all your non bearded glory about, uh, about to get absolutely exactly crammed. right. Well, I have to shave the beard. Taking the beard off takes ten years off my age. I know. So I, so I feel I can hang with the cool kids. You've got an even better face for radio now. Okay, so that was uh, that was Warhammer. Uh, you, on the other hand, barely leave the house. Yes, don't that's like true. mixing with people. Hate them. Prefer to play your games online on the iPad. Well, I'd, let's not necessarily say that's true, but I do think that. Mobile gaming is a massive part of our hobby, um, and we need to have a chat about it. And we're going to talk about that next on The Dice Man Cometh. It's Edge Radio, 99.3 FM. That's Buchanan on Edge Radio, 99.3 FM. This is a show about board games and card games. If you've been listening and haven't figured it out, what the bloody hell are they talking about? (laughs) And uh, one thing that we that we have been talking about with with this hobby over the the well many many shows is the rise of digital gaming and uh, the use of the iPads and Android devices and what have you within the physicality of the board games and card games that we like to play. But Garth, you just go one step beyond that and just totally play online digital stuff, touchscreens. All the time. Oh, 24-7. Well, I mean, I suppose, you know, rather than going out and, sp- and spending 80, 90, 150 bucks on a game that you don't know that you're going to like, yeah. you can spend, what, three bucks? Three bucks, anywhere from nothing to, to a few dollars, but certainly 
you know, as an entry point into a, a game that you're just not quite sure about, mobile gaming, the, the mobile platform is just ideal. Now, I guess the, the most recent example of that is a game that's been on my wish list for a while, which is Galaxy mm. Trucker. Mm, you know, yes. it's, it's one of Lada's games, which, you know, um, you're guaranteed to have a lot of chaos and, you know, bits and pieces going all over the place. Vlada Halvartl, one of our favourite exactly designers. Exactly right. But this game is 80, 90 bucks. If you buy the, the large box, it's $120 plus. Yep. Now, what they've done, Check Games Edition, is, is released a lovely mobile version of it. It's only been out for, for a couple of weeks now. But for the introductory price of, I think, you know, half a dozen dollars, five or six bucks, you're able to get the full game. That's a lot for an app, though. It is a lot for an app, but when you look at it and you get the full experience that it has to offer, I think it's well worth it. You know, we've got um, the full game, which is wonderful. And what I like about it is you can play a game in about 10, 15 minutes rather than the, the hours and hours that it would otherwise take. Yeah, 10, 15 minutes just to do like half the setup. Yeah, when exactly you're playing right. The physical and and I guess in a broader sense, that's what I like about this platform is that you're able to just distance yourself from the math and the rules. You're able to mm. just get straight into a game and have a bit of fun. Now, you know, you look at the, the more simple games that we love to play like Carcassonne, which is basic mechanic but translates really beautifully onto onto the mobile platform yeah look carcassonne because i don't do a lot of a lot of gaming on the on the ipad carcassonne's the exception though i've played friggin heaps of that Mm. just hours and hours and in fact that is where i learned how to kill (laughs) in in in, uh, because i can i can slaughter people in 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 carcassonne love to slaughter my family and grind my my seven-year-old daughter (laughs) into the dust Mm. and i have the app to thank for the ability to do that well isn't that wonderful and you are able to learn those valuable life lessons (laughs) on the comfort of your own couch peace and serenity of of your own home but even you know even if you were waiting for the doctor's appointment or waiting to pick up the kid from from school you've got that spare 10-15 minutes you're able to pull out the phone have a game and there you go i you know th- this is this is going to sound so completely i'm going to cuz i'm such a luddite <laughs> I, I i really am and because i like the tactile physical nature of this anachronistic analog hobby mm. of ours uh where you you have to touch things i kind of feel like the digital version somehow devalue it yeah. i i know that's no, look, I can, I can understand that. And look, the games, they do what they can to combat that by having, you know, pass and play mechanics where you'll have your turn on the on the device and pass it around to the next person mm. sitting at the table. They'll have multiplayer, so of course you can get your friends around and have a, uh, have a game at your various homes and places all at the same time. Um, you know, I guess you've also got to look at it from an environmental point of view, which, you know... These board games, they, they take up wood and plastic and all those bits. So, Oh, you friggin' you know, tree-hugging hippie. Yeah, but, you know... Pave the earth, it, I say. Keep it electronic, Pave save the, the earth trees, with board games. Hug the whales, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, so yeah, um, we are saving money yes. by trying the apps before we might want to shell out for the physical version. Yeah. But there's a lot of apps, there's a lot of board games, and there's a lot of titles that people just don't know. There is. Can you recommend some for us, please? I can, yes. Here's some I prepared earlier. But the great (laughs) thing is about these is that most of the time we play the physical version uh, anyway. And I I look at the list I've created, which, you know, is Suburbia, number one. Now, Mm. that is a wonderful, easy game to play on a device because... Let's face it, there is a lot of math and juggling you know, your population and what have you to, to get it right. It's the game of town planning. If you've ever driven around your hometown and gone, this is stuff, I can do better than this, <laughs> this is the game for you. Yeah, it's SimCity the board game, but you know, it takes that, like, takes that out and you can play a, a scenario in, in under 30 minutes. You've also got Small World, which is a wonderful introduction to, to this medium. Uh, it's a pretty simple game to explain, but again, there's so many bits and pieces that it can get a bit confusing. Small World is, is such a great game. Where it's just ba- very basic area control with some with different races that you can play that have special powers, and I have to admit, I probably haven't played Small World in more than a year mm. since I played the, <laughs> the, 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 the app a couple of times, and it was so good. Yeah, well, that's the thing, and that's what I love about it is it just makes it so easy, so accessible, and I can sit down with you know with my son or my partner or what have you and, and have that game um, instead of spending half an hour to an hour trying to explain the rules and not having fun. Do you think there's something about pretending to be an elf on, <laughs> on, on a computer screen that's more palatable than pretending to be an elf with a piece of cardboard in front of you or, oh, a, or a figure. Far out. Well, that's a tricky one, isn't it? <laughs> I'm spending all my time worrying about being a Star Wars character. So. 
All right, so uh, suburbia, small world, what else? Uh, well, look, you go for the big names, you know, we've, we've already mentioned uh, Carcassonne. Um, Ticket to Ride, massive game. You know, they had the world championships of Ticket to Ride only a couple of weeks ago in the Netherlands. The 10th anniversary edition came out not yeah, that long ago. Yeah, it's massive yeah. and expansion after expansion after expansion. Another favourite that I know you talked about a couple of weeks ago, Pandemic. Mm. You know, again, another game where the math and the, the bits and pieces can be a little bit fiddly, but... It makes it a lot more accessible. You know, you've got your Meteor Euros, you've got Agricola, and um, I think you've got San Juan and, and Stone Age and a few other ones. But probably one I'm really looking forward to is in about a week's time, they're actually releasing Sentinels of the Multiverse. Which Really? Yeah, and the, the early screenshots and the little bits and pieces I've seen make it look fantastic because it's done in a comic book format. It looks really lovely. And one of the criticisms I know you've had with the game is that a lot of the time you're playing the mechanics of the game rather than playing against the baddie. You're oh, fighting the game. Listen, Garth and I have played like so much Sentinels of the Multiverse. It's, it's, it's not funny, but it's really fiddly and mathy. Mm. And there's an, it effects stack on each other the more cards come out. Yeah. And you've got an AI that will do all that stuff for you. Exactly right. Because I was, I was thinking about this this morning and just going, you know, you go on any given turn sequence and you might have to factor in what you as the, the first player has yep, done yep. and then the next player and the evil overlords, you know, um, abilities and any minions that are out on the table and all of that kind of thing. So having a, a simple system that removes that and allows me to just focus on having fun, I think it's brilliant. And it also looks really, really nice. So that's coming out soon? Coming out. Um, it's slated to be released the 16th of October, okay. which is um, weekend of Essen, I guess. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yep. All right. Any other tips? Any other titles? Uh, yeah, look, there's a couple more. Elder Sign, which is uh, another really good game. There's Forbidden Island, which I think for younger players is a really nice uh, one to get That's into. That's the one where you're trying to uh, find treasure on a sinking island. Exactly right. Yeah. Finding your treasure before the island slips beneath your feet. Um, and that's really the ones that I thought were most accessible, most suitable. Low price points, 99 cents to a couple of bucks here. Yeah. And what I like about them, they've also got a really active online community. So if you want to go and, you know, not necessarily play with your friends, but just get a quick game in against a real person rather than robot number seven, you've got the ability to do that. If I start doing this, though, I'm never going to finish another novel ever again. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting up all night playing in bed. Well, <laughs> and that's, as long as it's... Yeah. And that's time I should be spending doing online shopping. Exactly right. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Steve O'Rourke from New York in the United States, and you're listening to the Dice Men Coven. Now, Trent, Champagne Radio, Trent, 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 mm. we're going to talk about what it takes to produce and star in a podcast. <laughs> In a radio show, in a weekly serial almost. Well, you ought to know all about it. <laughs> well, I only know because I came into this in the last third of, of your and Mark's experience in you know radio and podcast infamy. <laughs> so I'm really interested in this next segment, which is nice for a change. So I suppose, yeah, just, 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 to, re just to recap, um, 81 episodes, Mark, yeah. you and I have been, have been doing this. You made it to most of them. <laughs> And, <laughs> and some of them on time. <laughs> oh, I'm going to miss you, Trent. And uh, and and look, yeah, I, I, we're not we're, we're not mucking around. I I have decided to, uh, to 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 pull the plug on on my involvement. I just want to thank you two guys for for coming along and and doing this with me, Mark. For, from the very beginning when we first thought of this, mm. Garth for coming along and lightening the load uh, because it is a lot of work to actually put on. Uh, even just an, an hour-long show uh, every, every every week, and I've also got to thank the guys at Edge Radio for uh, for being really really supportive Absolutely, of, us, yeah. of us as well, yeah, lending great. lending us on air here and uh, and and just you know helping us out with the some of the behind the scenes technical stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, and I think um, when it hasn't always worked as well as it could. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go down that path. Uh, but I remember Trent when we sat in the, the training session learning about what it's like to have a radio show. We And we weren't even really sure what our show would look like. We had some ideas. Mm. They said, hey, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Maybe was go that, for it. Was that the it. first recorded use of interesting in a board game perspective? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and they, they gave us a forum. They gave us two chairs. They said, yeah, you can have the prime time slot of 7 p.m. on a Wednesday night up against ABC News. Wow. Um, and we've just gone from there. It's been fun. And uh, what what's happened is that basically my you know my my 
other life, my, my day-to-day life has just gotten a lot busier. Mm. So I'm just finding I haven't got the, the mental energy to sort of keep putting into this because it is a lot of work and it, it is. is a lot of teamwork in particular. And I tend to think that because po- I love podcasts and I listen to as many as I possibly can. And I think that everybody should have a crack at doing a podcast at some point mm. in, their, in their life. Yeah, and just, I, just to I, do it. It's you know? not yeah. something I ever thought I'd do, and I've just been having a ball doing it. And that's that's why when you said, "Hey, I hate your guts," and I'm going to go, I said, "That's okay, I'm going to stay because Gar's a really nice guy." Yep. Hey, the that's on rook record forever. Is going to continue absolutely. So you guys now have to do the lion's share of the work, oh. and, and it's I've I found that it could be hours of preparation. Yeah, every, well, it can, and that's and that's every week. part of it is you know what. What I like about the way that it's been going since I started here is we've been able to pretty well assign roles. We've been pretty able to divvy up the work in a relatively even level, mm. but it still takes commitment. It's not something you can just bang together on the day of um, or when you rock up because it can be incredibly hard to fill that you know, 50 minutes of, of airtime. And if you had said to me we'd be doing 80 shows, I would have said I doubt it, you know, there's nowhere there's that mu- there's there's that much to talk about. Yet we keep fi- finding new things to talk about each week, which I think is great and says a lot about our hobby that there's so much happening. Agreed. Um, yeah. And but- I and I and I look. I, I really want to just you know highlight the fact that you know Rich Summer. You know, he he started yeah. Cardboard Cast and did eight nine episodes, yeah, something like that, and just had to pull the plug on it. I mean, you know, clearly we're better than this big Hollywood guy. <laughs> Uh, but I, I guess, you know, what it did is, is it, it showed it's, it's damn hard work. Yeah, and I think particularly, I mean, obviously he, like you, Trent, is a busy guy. And particularly, I think doing it by himself would be a huge mm. load. I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't go near this by myself. If it you were just doing too it much. on your own without the, the, the infrastructure of a community radio station mm. uh, around, around us, which thank God is what we've got because yes. it's actually helped us to sound good. Yes, exactly. Right, like we have we have a certain technical uh, fidelity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I suppose we, we could we could call it. Uh, and without that, no one's really going to want to want to listen. But if you were doing it on your own, you had to edit it up, uh, coordinate all the interviews, do all the research. I mean, it's virtually a full time job, which is what. Uh, guys like Tom Vassell in the States or the guys who run the Shut Up and Sit Down website yep, yep. In, in London, it, this hobby has become their full-time job. Exactly. And I have a full-time job and I, and I just uh, I don't have the, the, the time to give to this show that I would otherwise like, like to do. Yeah, and no, look, I think for anyone out there who is interested, look and see if you've got a, a community radio station in your area because... They're always crying out for content. They're always crying out for volunteers because people do run out of steam. But you're right. What I have loved is the going live to air means whatever happens, happens. (laughs) And we don't sit there for hours and agonize over the edit afterwards. Mm. It's just that's how it was and bang, it's out. Uh, and I know I've followed the spiel uh, for a long time since it started. They've been going, I think, almost 10 years and, you know, they always said it's probably three or four times the time they spend in the studio they spend on editing, although they've obviously got it down over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But th- that task in itself is so thankless. Well, and I know that from just doing the, the very small interviews, how many hours I have spent to edit down a, a 10 or 15 minute interview. Yeah, well, it's amazing work to make us sound good, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh so, so just thanks, guys, and 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 good luck with it. Uh, what's what's the plan after this? Oh, well, I think after, the plan is after we're I go, going to start doing some good stuff. Okay, yeah, but okay. we'll figure yeah. that out maybe six yeah. thirty next Thursday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once we have a lesson in button pushing again. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Because you got. Oh, Mark's going to have to come in and Mark's control. Mark's going to be Captain oh, Button. Does this mean you're going to be able to play all your shit music and do all your crap awful segues? Actually, un- we might un- not even talk about games. We just might do that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're doing Evanescence's 20 <laughs> top songs. Actually, I've got so many great songs lined up I that I know Trent do. would never let me play. <laughs> and that's just next week. Oh, dear. Promise me <laughs> promise me that you'll keep starting the show with a heavy metal song, though. No. Nah. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, all right. Thanks, guys. I'll... Um, 
I might, I'll, 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 I might come in here again for yeah. a guest spot if you'll if you'll have me. Well, That's fine. We, we we'll think about inviting you. Maybe. Exactly right. Don't at the, call at us, the we'll moment, call you. at the moment, you're dead to us. Sure, but you know. There's always a little asterisk after that. We may recover. And I also want to thank uh, everybody who has, uh, has 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 listened to the podcast, downloaded it, um, and uh, unsubscribed <laughs> after never wanting to hear it ever again, or who has ever sent us an email or made a Facebook post or um, you know liked one of our tweets or all that stuff, because um, that has quite sincerely meant a great deal to all of us, sure to has. me and yeah, to the other absolutely. two guys. And I would urge you please to continue supporting uh, Mark and Garth as they uh, continue on with this because, you know, at 81 episodes, where I think we're, you know, we're just starting to get over a little bit of a crest where people are starting to notice us, like what we do, and, you know, persistence will pay off in the long run, guys. So Yeah, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. Well, some of us have, have yeah. got that, so that's <laughs> good. So basically what I'm saying is that you guys do all the hard work for the next 100 episodes, and then I'll swan back in once it's popular. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and take all the Excellent. Credit. I knew there was a cunning plan there somewhere. All right, won't see you next week, but these guys will. We'll miss you, Trent. Yeah, Trent, we're going to miss you. Dice Men Cometh, Edge Radio, 99.3 FM. Bye. See ya. Bye. G'day, my name's David, I'm from Grail Games, and when I want to listen to an Aussie podcast, I listen to the Dice Men Cometh, mate. So be there. And we'll be there with the Kings of Leon on call. You're with Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Men Cometh, with Mark and Garth, and our special guest, he is the King of Leon. Oh, God. His name is Leon. Leon, how are you? Hello. Very good gentleman. Yourself? Oh, look, we're really well, apart from me pressing the wrong button. I noticed. But hey, it was bound to happen. Exactly. (laughs) It always does. Leon, I must say, that is the quietest that I've ever seen you ever. You sat there beautifully quiet for half an hour, listening to us jibber-jabber on. Must have been really difficult, actually. Well, I've been up since about five in the morning, and I haven't really sat down at all, except for the drive here, so... Yeah, and I did see that it was putting his time to good use checking out Kickstarter. (laughs) So I'm not here for a haircut, gentlemen. (laughs) Well, look, I've already got that sorted. Firstly, Leon, you are you are a real oompa loompa, aren't you? (laughs) Because you work at the chocolate factory. Uh, You could call it that. I'm I'm a married man now, so I'm just a factory worker. Uh, In my single days, though, I was a chocolate chef. There you go. <laughs> but now, lovely wife at home, I'm just a factory worker. Oh, there you go. Now, Still living the dream. Absolutely. Free chocolate? Yeah. God damn it. Actually, yeah. you don't get so much free chocolate these days, do you? Because they, they recycle everything. Yeah, but they're not looking all the time. <laughs> Let's move now, on to something so we don't get him yeah, in trouble. Yeah, that's right. We, we don't want to get you in trouble, Leon. Now, one of the reasons, among many, because you are a man of many talents, but one of the reasons we brought you in today is because... You buy the odd game or two, don't you? It, it has been said before. Yeah, and then we often see you you move on and you get rid of these games really quickly. So we're really curious about this whole process. So I want to know firstly, how do you select the games that you're going to buy? Because it's not like me where I look and look and look and look and look and I find one that piques my interest. You're buying them by the container load almost, aren't you? Well, give or take. The way it works is uh, my wife and I have a system worked out where she saves money for a rainy day, and I <laughs> and I make sure that those rainy days are very entertaining. <laughs> That's the way it works. And so once you've invested in one umbrella to cover you for that rainy day, the rest of it just goes to board games? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Awesome. I mean, I mean, that's the whole point of rainy days. They're supposed to be shiny things on the inside of the house Yep. to make everybody mm-hmm. happy. Um, so the reason I do it, is, I guess, is because I can. That's <laughs> 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 just not the politest way to put it. Uh, unlike and, those of us with children yeah. that eat our money, literally. Well, I've got three cats, so I'm pretty sure that's, that's about two and a half kids worth. Yeah, but uh. you only have to feed a cat every couple of days. Do they, you? Well, oh, they, they go and find, <laughs> I don't have cats. They find food at other people's houses, don't they? Isn't what you normally do? Or yeah. Australian wildlife. Yeah. Oh, God. Now, anyway, I just want to go back to the start. Right. How did you get into this hobby? Right, right. Well, you see, uh, when you get to be my age... <laughs> Which is in negative 10 years' time. Yeah. Negative 20 for you, Mark. Oh! <laughs> uh, yes, well, basically, when you get to my age, uh, myself and all my friends all have full-time jobs. We all have husbands and or wives. We all have children and or lots of cats yep so spending time together with friends is a lot harder than what it used to be uh so because of that a few of us started playing magic the gathering together Mm. just as basically an excuse to get together and 
just so it happens that Magic the Gathering is sold at places that also sell very cool board games. Yep. Uh, and because of that, we then ended up with a copy of uh, Last Night on Earth, so Zombies. Right? Yes, yes. And we also went up with a copy of Descent 2.0, oh, so Dwarves yeah. as yep. well. And uh, with playing them, we really, really enjoyed them. And uh, I found out that there was an expansion to Descent coming out. And uh, one boring Saturday morning, I typed it into Google, and two things came up, two videos. One of them was a video from Dice Tower, Yep. And the other one was a video from Shut Up and Sit Down. And then I went down a YouTube rabbit hole, <laughs> the likes of which I have never seen myself and will never see again. Mm. I lost a whole weekend. Yep. And it just so happened to coincide with the same time that I got to the point in my video game playing where I was just waiting for new things to come out. Back catalog done. And the same with comic books as well. And as I said before... I'm the spender of the money. <laughs> so I don't like to have money sitting there because that's just boring. Yeah. And I thought, ooh, board games, this could be a thing. So I s- saw many videos that I like the look of, went into the local gaming store. Uh, the main one I was after was King of Tokyo because it just looked awesome. Yeah. And funnily enough, it is. Yeah. And um, as I was there, I spoke uh, to young Tony at the store and he said, have you heard of the Hobart Game Society? And I said, no, please tell me. He handed me a little card. He said, they meet every weekend. They're nice people. They play games. And I went, woo. Uh, went along to one of their game days on the weekend. I met a young Hawaiian shirted. Oh, God. Man. Oh, God. <laughs> it was my first introduction to Hogs as I walked in the door. And within a few seconds, he happened to mention that he did a podcast about several things very similar to board games. Yep. And I went, ooh, I like a podcast. And I, I think I like these board games now. And that was about two years ago, and now I'm here. <laughs> well, it's good to see that Trent's useful for something. You he's said the T some word. People. You said the T word. We're allowed to say it once. That's my quota. Okay. So it's good that he's done something good for the hobby. Hey. Now, yeah, I just want to. I just want to. I want to say thank you for buying so many games that <laughs> we get to have a look at secondhand. Yeah. You've done a pretty good job of getting a wife into this as well, because I have no luck with my other half getting <laughs> anything more than maybe Sushi Go. Or kids' monopoly, or something that might be you know done and dusted in five minutes. How often do you guys play play these games together? Uh, not as much as what we used to, because we're both shift workers, so we don't get a lot of time to do it. But um, hence why we like to have them there for the rainy day. Yep. Um, and um, so we don't get them out as much as what we'd like to. But yeah, it just comes down to that thing of luckily not having any children yet, only having the cats to take care of. <laughs> but we can get those games involved, and I did it. I do it for that reason sometimes that I think that if I don't like it, I can just sell it on at a cheaper price, basically brand spanking new to somebody else that's interested. Because we see all these games online all the time. And as you said, there's a lot of people that think, I'd like to play that, but you know, I've got this coming up. I've got the, 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 the. I'm very fortunate in a position where I can go, I'll get it. Yep. And if I like it, it's staying there. And if anybody wants to play it, they know where I am. <laughs> and if not, I will happily, like I said, sell it on. As cheap as I possibly can. Yeah, that's cool. And a lot of so, uh, Leon, I think it's great how you've you've got involved with the local game group, yes. but you're also you, you primarily you use the um, the Facebook page of that games group to yeah. sell your games on, don't you? I do I use it to sell my games on as well as any time we play nearly anything. I put uh, photos and stuff up there because it's the sense of community. I think around games is very very important. Yeah, the sense yeah. of family or whatever else, and. Um, yeah, so I figure if people are out there having fun, it's best to show others that you can have fun too. It's right here in front of you. And in terms of selling your games on, you don't seem to have any trouble at all selling them, do you? Well, most of them is because they are newer games. Yeah. And I'm I'm not going to be a charlatan and try and sell it for like full price. I'll mm. sell it for what I think is reasonable. And um, all the games I do get in are games that I think, I'm interested in that. I think it should be all right. And half the time they are. I've sold some games in the past that are really, really good. It's just either I won't get them to the table because maybe they're a bit longer. Yes. Or more likely there are other games that just fit the bill better. Like I sold a version of Spartacus recently. That's an awesome game. Yes. But to get a good game of that going, you need two and a half, three hours. Uh. If I'm going to play a game for two and a half, three hours, uh, I have other things. I have my Fury of Dracula's, my Eldritch Horrors, things like that. Yes. So it's just not going to get out. And I figured, well... Why have it sitting there when somebody else can enjoy, you know, enjoy as well? If I want it years down the track, I know somebody that has it, or I could just get it again if I wanted to. I was going to say, that's one of the great things of selling them on locally is you know who buys them. 
they're probably not going to move them on as quickly as you do because let's face it, you move them on pretty quickly. Yeah. But exactly, you then know someone to contact if you feel like playing it again anyway. Yeah. It comes from um from the video game world as well. I collected video games for years and years and years, and then I realised, hang on. I never because I'm luckily enough to get to buy the new stuff as it yeah. comes out. I never play the old stuff. I mean, from time to time, I'll play one that I really, really like again. Yes, but I just don't get the chance. So why am I having them just sit around yeah. doing nothing? Yep. And it's the same thing with board games. I've definitely now. I'm a tight ass. Right? <laughs> you know, if you've listened <laughs> yeah, to the podcast, you probably, yeah. probably know. Pick that up. Yeah. I always try and find the best deal. Yeah. Where Where do you go? Do you just go everywhere? Um, I try to, to shop locally as much as I can, but yep. that's not in the cards, mainly to do with being a shift worker and being lazy. Ah, yes. I'd like things delivered to my door. So there's many different websites, your, your Oz Game Shop and your um, even Amazon and stuff like that, even though the exchange rates are killer now yeah. and postage is getting worse by mm. the day. But um, yeah, pretty much if anything you want to find on the internet, it's very, very easy. Yeah, look, I have just recently started using the board game search Mm. Um, sort of portal, which basically oh, yeah. is an Australian website yes. that just links into you know your Milsims yeah. and your Oz Game Shops and the Advent Games and all of those other it's, ones, and yeah. just lists the prices there in one one little sort it's, of screenshot. It's fantastic. It's absolutely perfect. And I think the best thing you could probably do on that is as soon as you get it, is just type in say ticket to ride something you know that everywhere is going to get. But then you just look and go, hang on, here's twenty websites that sell board games. Yeah, and then you could go them and browse them as much as you please and there you go you've got your list for whenever you need it definitely fantastic now Leon I want to grill you about some of your favourite games mm. we're going to come back after a track can I do that I, will you stay for another 10 minutes I suppose we'll let you talk I promise not a trouble we'll be back in a minute that was karaoke for my shadow with fire engine another tazzy act Good awesome awesome <laughs> Anyway, you're with the Iceman Cometh Edge Radio on 99.3 FM. We are here in the studio with Leon. Hello. Leon. Yes. You go through a lot of games, yes. so you know about a lot of games. Oh, I'd like to think so. And I know you don't sell all of them. No. Now, you talk to us about a couple of the early games you started with. Yes. Um, what is your... If I, don't, if, I don't, if I can put you on the spot. Yes. What's your favourite game of all your games your own? Is there one? The, I'd say the one I would never, ever get rid of is Marvel Legendary. God damn you, that's the one I wanted you to get <laughs> rid of. I know that's the one you wanted to get rid of, the one I taught you several months ago. You did. It's, and you, you even loaned it to, to me that my son and I could take it on holidays and test it out. I did, and I barely knew you at the time. That's, that's the kind you of were, You are a kind, kind <laughs> man, Leon. That's, well, that's a pretty good choice, I reckon. What yeah. else? What, what do you, have you got, you know, if you've got four hours to kill... You know, what are you going to play? What What is your, you know, your epic, epic Sunday game? Um, I think the longest game I've got is probably, yeah, Eldritch Horror. My friends um, that I play a game with, we're all very similar in that we're all horror movie guys. We're all mm. heavy metal type guys. So Eldritch Horror is us in a nutshell. Fury of Dracula, as I mentioned before, that game cost me quite a bit. You must be excited about the new edition coming out then. <laughs> <laughs> you ordered it yet? No, I have not. Oh, I'll buy it off you for twenty bucks. No, I think I'll, I think I'll keep. I like the nostalgia of the one that I've got, but how much it cost me, and finally finding a copy that was worth importing. Wow. Yeah, and I, I I sold mine about probably twelve months earlier. My copy, we yeah. painted miniatures even, Ooh. and it was quite hard to get rid of because it's funny how that game went out of flavour. What? Let's talk about that game for a second. Yeah. What do you love about it? Um. Well, the theme alone, I mean, Dracula yes. is, is an awesome theme. And the idea that one one against four yes. is a really cool idea and that it's all hidden and that they're, they're all working, you know, co-op together while you've got your own little pile of evil behind you. So, which, like I said, it's it's my group of friends in a nutshell that one of us gets to sit back and be evil uh, while the yes. other one gets the knock. But just the fact that I think... The fact that it was so expensive and hard to find gives puts it at a special place in my yes. heart. Because I saw it on a lot of top tens of stuff, but then I just couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. And I thought, this is why is a game this good from Fantasy Flight just disappeared into the ether? And I guess you can see exactly why it's coming back into print. Yeah. Hopefully they do another good job of it. Mm. Um, yeah, they, they've been doing a really good job kind of stuff. Yeah, they've I been mean, doing a lot of a good job lately with all their reprints. It looks rather similar from what I've seen. Yeah, they said they're going to simplify a few things. The card combat in it is a bit. That's the one thing you're yeah. a bit. Uh, that's clunky, isn't when it? When you're playing it, but apart from that, everything else is pretty good. Excellent. Now, the big question: mm. How do you decide what to get rid of? 
Ooh, that is a good question. Um, it's just if I'm... Do I really realistically think I'm going to play that over something else that I have in my collection? When I have my mates around and we go in the back room and decide, right, what are we going to play? If we look at all that shelf and there's certain things that I've looked past four or five times and gone, no, I'm not going to play that because I've got such and such else. Yep. I don't need that game. That's fair enough. That's I think the it's the simplest a, way. Yeah, because I, I look at my collection, I go, oh, there's stuff there that I haven't played for probably two years. Yeah. I could quite easily put it on eBay or a math trade or do something and exchange it for yeah. something else. Um, I don't know. Am I just too lazy to take the photos? I don't know. Well, the sad thing, <laughs> the sad thing I think is I have games on my shelf that have been there for five or six years and never got out. But at the same time, they're great games mm. and I... And they're also games that I know other people don't have. Yep. For me, I think that's the that's the one thing. And I have traded away quite a few recently. Yep. Um, we were talking in the car on the way over here. I'd recently traded uh, during the um, the Bordercom math trade. I traded nothing personal. Mm. It's a fantastic game. I love it. But Garth, also, you also have a copy of that game. And yep. what's the point of having two copies? Yep. Do you do you find that? Do your friends have? Similar gaming uh, tastes? I've, I've had that with a few. Like, I had a copy of Descent myself. Yes. Because I bought it because of how excited was how much I liked it. Mm. But then I remembered, hang on, the guy I'm going to play this with has his own copy. Uh. He has every expansion. He paints them all himself. What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like I said, we just look at those shelves and just... If I'm really in the mood to play a game and then just have somebody say, well, how about that one? And I say no. Then I just think to myself, oh... Why did they say no? Yeah. That's, that, that's an issue. And you, do you operate a um, like a Tom Vassell system where he's he said he's only going to have, well, in his case, it's like 500. But, you know, if he wants to put a new one in, he has to take an old one out and get rid of it. Do you, do you I, have a limited amount of space? I haven't got a limited amount of space as of yet, but it, it has definitely got to that point now where, yes, I have got some new things and there's other things have gone to the wayside because of those new things. Uh, okay. But yeah, there's no specific system set up of it. It's just on my whim half the time. <laughs> what about so? Tell us about a couple of a uh, couple other of your favourites. You obviously mentioned Descent, Fury of Dracula, yep. Eldritch Horror. Now, did you ever play Arkham Horror? Uh, we played one copy of uh, we played one game of Arkham Horror, but I think we'd already played Eldritch Horror already. Uh, okay. So we played it and went, yeah, this is really good, and I can see where the seeds yes. came for Eldritch. But Eldritch is just. If it's a choice between the two, it's not. It's not even a choice. Yeah, look, I think they've they've really they've made it so much better, haven't they? Yeah. And condensed it down to to two, three, or maybe four hours, but yeah. it, no longer is it a a six or seven hour game. Yeah, but that's one of those games where I've only got that to the table a handful of times myself, and it's been a few months now. But I'm never getting rid of it yes. because of that. It, it feels something that nothing else I've got feels. It's a fantastic experience. Mm. Now, have you still got King of Tokyo? I have got King of Tokyo. Yeah. I sold King of New York. <laughs> ah. I got that thinking, a lot of people said, it's a bit more complicated, so therefore it's a more interesting game, which I guess is true. But King of Tokyo, for me, I think, if I was an actual reviewer, I think is a 10 out of 10. Yep. It, for what it needs to be, it's perfect. Yes. It does not need to be more complicated. Some people like New York because of the different things, the complexities. That's fine. I love King of Tokyo for what it is. And isn't that so typical of us gamers of, oh, we've got this really good, we, we could make it better by making it more complicated, and sometimes, you know, that the beauty is in the simplicity. Exactly. A game's got to be what it wants to be, yeah. you know, and the great thing about a King of Tokyo is you know what you're going to get when you're going into it, you have your fun for a relatively short amount of time, you have a laugh, it's enjoyable and you move on. It doesn't need to go for another half an hour. Now, Leon, what is on your radar of... Because you're the king of new hotness as well as the king of Leon. <laughs> yes. um, what's on your radar coming up shortly? Uh, coming up shortly, most of the stuff I've backed on Kickstarter will hopefully start arriving soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, any day now, I expect Blood Rage to land on my door. Yep. Oh, which, that's the that's the Viking... Yes, I which, think I talked about that in a Kickstarter update. Which, um, yeah, it looks great. Yeah, the Dice Tower Boys did a review of that recently and Vassal himself said... It'll probably be in his top twenty of all time. Wow! And he's paid, and you know how many thousands of games mm. that they I also backed one the other day, which just finished called Lobotomy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yes, descent, yes. descent out of it's, a mental it's asylum. Descent, yeah. yeah, in a mental <laughs> asylum. It's, it's actually right up your alley, isn't it? It's, it's <laughs> the shipping. Oh my god, the shipping to Australia on that one was, yeah, the whole thing was not cheap. But I, the amount of the amount of how many cool exclusives there were, I thought. Yes. And for what it is, it's literally if someone said, right, let's design a game for Leon. Is it, is it this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is, isn't it? So I had no choice. Absolutely. Matter. And anything else? Uh, at the moment, I think that's about it. Most of the other Kickstarter stuff. Monstrous, which you boys 
talked about. Yeah, I yes. played that the other day. Yes. My kids love that. My, my four-year-old. She will play that game every single day, oh, I reckon. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so, you know, Kim and the guys at Secret Base have done a really, really cool job on that, and it must be coming soon. Yeah, and I believe they may even have signed a big distribution deal in the States or something. Good it, on them. I, I think, think, it, I think it's really a really decent, decent game. Yeah. yeah, they definitely should have it. And uh, one other one called Besieged, which is hopefully coming soon. That's the same guys that do Zombie Side. Oh. So I haven't actually played Zombie Side myself, which is weird considering I play everything else. Because that's like Descent with Zombies, isn't it? Uh, well, Zombie Side is, yeah, pretty much. But um, yeah, Besieged is a little bit different. And just the one more thing is uh, Spyfall, which I've already got yep. and I've had for a month, but I want to play a lot more of because the idea of it, I think, is spectacular. Yeah, we played it at the uh, at the at Winter, Winter Games, Games Fest. I, I played it for pretty much the whole day, <laughs> which was really good. Look, it's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Leon. It's been really great to have you on board. Um, keep selling those games and we'll keep buying them. Exactly. Um, but we'll be back next week. We will. Loads more stuff. Definitely. Maybe even a new special guest. And they never found another guest host again. Well, that's absolutely not true. We've had some cracking guest hosts over the years, but I was the only one silly enough to stick around. So there you go. That was a little delve into the Dice Men Cometh dungeon history, if you will. It's been an absolute blast. It has been over five years, nearly six years now, which is a very, very long time. There was one of the excerpts there where Mark said, I can't believe we fit enough content into 80 episodes well sorry to say marky boy we've done nearly another 200 on top of that since then and we absolutely love it hope to do it for many years to come and as always it is thanks to you out there in uh, podcast listening land and remember if you want to get in touch with us about anything ask us questions or just simply chat we're always up for a chat we like to hear the sound of our own voices have you noticed you remember you can catch us on all the socials we have the instagrams the twitters the facebooks the email at dice Cometh at gmail.com. You can get us on any of those. We share different content to all those different mediums. We don't just copy and paste. If you wish to support the show, you can jump over to Patreon and give us a few bucks. We do not ask for much. Again, I've said this a hundred times, but if everybody listening to my voice gave us a dollar every month, we would be over the moon. And also, you can get onto redbubble.com, type in Dice Man Cometh, and get heaps of cool little merchandise. So this is the end of the episode, but wait, there's still a few minutes extra length on your podcast recording track that you can see there because I was always told that somebody out there has probably said it better than you, so end with a quote. However, again, I don't think anyone's probably said it better than us, but another famous saying is to end with a song, which is what we're going to do. Normally, we can't do that for copyright reasons. However, there is a Tassie band by the name of Mind and Motions who are actually good friends of mine, and they said, yep, chuck the whole song on the end of it, for, you know, giggles, just to make sure you give us a shout-out, which is what I'm doing right now. You can catch all their stuff on Bandcamp and what have you. But Minds in Motions and their song, which is aptly named Searching for Tomorrow, because just because we've put up a retrospective episode doesn't mean, oh, it's coming to an end. It's certainly not. There is many, 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 many Dice Men things to come. Me and Marks are off to PAX yet again in a few weeks, and who knows what's coming down the track. So enjoy this track from my good friends at Mind in Motion, and we will see you next week for an actual episode. Hooya!
This has been an edit of The Dice Men Cometh from Edge Radio 99.3 FM, Hobart's independent youth station. Find us on Facebook and edgeradio.org.au.